This is Ashley. And I'm Megan. And you're listening to Our Story for All Stories. All right, Megan, I'm so excited that we have a friend podcasting with us today, the Reverend Lydia Pratt-Tatum, who is the Associate Pastor for Ministry and Outreach at Trinity Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. And a Hufflepuff. And she's a Hufflepuff. Oh, she's a Hufflepuff with these two Gryffindors over here. So proud. I kind of feel like, um, is it Luna? Is Luna a Hufflepuff? No, she's Ravenclaw. <gasps> she's Ravenclaw. Oh. Who's a Hufflepuff? Cedric. Oh, I know Cedric. But Bernie I'm, McMillan. I'm kind of thinking Whoa. like a, like a dorkier one. Hannah, <laughs> Hannah Abbott. Oh, what? I, th- I'm very impressed with your knowledge right now. I know. Yeah, I got a wife who loves... Some Harry Potter, so. I mean, we do too. However. We have wives that love Harry Potter. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Lydia and I both have wives that love Harry Potter. coming out on this podcast. (laughs) Is all of us. This took a drastic turn from where I thought we were going today. (laughs) Yeah, how do we get back on track from this, you guys? Silence. Oh man, that's good. Are we? We can edit out that nose noise. I just. Made. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think don't. we should keep it. <laughs> it actually adds an air of uh, transition, if you will. Mm-hmm. Humanity transition. Yeah. Well, I'm super grateful that you guys have invited me to be on your podcast. I know that this is an exciting endeavor for you all, and um, I'm excited to help you tell your story. Thank you for inviting me to be a facilitator and a friend, and to be in conversation with you today. We're glad to have you. Thanks. So I think we could just jump right in because I'm super excited about this story, about conversations we've had in the past about um, your scriptural why for the community that you have started to build so beautifully with your friends, with um, people that you have allied yourself with, um, the people that you root for and that you want to connect your story with. So I'm just going to jump right in with my first question because I want us to get the cat out of the bag and talk about this beautiful story in the Bible. So as you all have started to discern your own personal callings and you've dreamed about your faith stories and the faith community and how that's going to connect, but also how God's been guiding your prayers and conversations, can you tell a little bit about what that guiding factor has been and what's connected the two of you in that story? Can we dig into, uh, or dug past tense, into a lot of that uh, with our first podcast last week and just how our whys, um, which is the bulk of your question, like what led us to these moments and, and ultimately God's call for us. But there's one central story for both of us that we left out intentionally, knowing that this podcast was coming in the week two, and that's the story of Hagar. Uh, she plays a central role in both of our calls and both of our kind of God moments throughout our lives, if you want to call it that. But, and I'll let Ashley dig a little bit into Hagar because she just tells the story beautifully. But yeah, Hagar's a big deal um, in our why. And so we're going to jump right, like we're glad that you're here so we can jump into that today. So Ashley, can you tell me who Hagar is and um, how that has been such an impact for you all? Because Hagar's a pretty deep track in the Bible uh, for most people. They might not be able to recall um, who she is. 
Yeah, I would love to share more about this. Uh, Megan and I, as we'll talk through this whole episode, are pretty passionate about Hagar and helping people understand who she was in the Bible. Um, But you all might remember uh, more well-known figures like Abraham and Sarah. And Hagar was one of their slaves. And when they were unable to have kids, um, and this story is referenced in Genesis 16 and in 21, um, when they were unable to have kids, Uh, Abraham decided to have a kid with Hagar and it made Sarah pretty jealous she was not cool with that so um, in the scripture it says that Sarah dealt with her harshly and you know that's kind of a hard thing to uh, think about these Bible heroes dealing with someone harshly Uh, but again to keep a longer story short Hagar decides to flee to the desert with her baby And God finds her in the desert and gives Hagar the opportunity to tell God her story. God says, you know, where, where are you coming from? Basically saying like, tell me, tell me how you ended up here. Tell me your story. And so Hagar then shares with God her story. And, um, Hagar is the first person in the Bible to give God a name. And that has always been such a huge deal to me. Um, but she gives God the name El Royi, which is the God who sees. It's such a beautiful story. I'm glad that you have found a way to connect with her. Often, from my perspective and in church life, we don't tell her story. And I think a lot of times we even shy away from her story for reasons uh, of differences in faith. I mean, and Abraham is where so many different faith backgrounds connect. And Hagar's line is so um, polarized for many Christians today because that is where we kind of point to for Islam. So it's beautiful that um, we can look to her and also um, see that she is the one who originally addressed God and named God. And that's um, an incredible thing for you all as um, pastors, as women who are starting a church, which is I'm from the Baptist world, so from the Baptist world is pretty unheard of, even still here in 2018. So I'm excited to hear a little bit more about how you found Hagar. Where was your first introduction with her? (laughs) We had a fun time talking about this question earlier because we realized we had never talked about this. As much as Megan and I like to talk about Hagar, we've never really pinpointed it. Never went back to the root. Yeah, but um, shout out to uh, Dr. Catherine Lopez. Yep. At Campbell. Campbell, Campbell. I got her. She gave me my first C. Oh, no. <laughs> Lydia's never not better. Again, here I am, Hufflepuff. Oh. <laughs> but you're loyal. <laughs> no, we both pointed back to her class um, in that, for me, I always, I kind of made feminist theology my unofficial uh, focus of everything that I did at Campbell. And so, um, never would have guessed, never would have guessed. (laughs) Um, so I remember reading texts of terror by Phyllis Tribble Mm -hmm. and just really, you know, just thinking, oh my gosh. So there's all of these really terrible stories in the Bible that we either gloss over or we like to ignore. Um, and we can't, they're part of scripture too. Um, so yeah, that's where I first started paying attention to her. What about you, Megan? Yeah, I was going to say, Ashley alluded to it a little bit when her response and paraphrasing Hagar's story, but 
and you did as well with the fact that we don't talk about Hagar and the tradition I grew up in, the Baptist tradition as well. Like we love some Sarah and Abraham, and I remember I was sitting freshman year, you know, first semester, thrown to the wolves, so to speak, with old, you know, intro to Old Testament and Dr. Lopez's <laughs> class, and I felt like he either came out of that class like totally enthralled with the new outlook for the for the Old Testament and God and everything that came with it, or just cursing Dr. Lopez's name, <laughs> and both of which I think she takes great pride in. Yep. Um, yep. But I just remember being amazed that there's such a central character that we don't even talk about. And seeing the story for her and Phyllis Tribble was one of the articles we had to read too, but not from the the book that Ashley had. It just opened my eyes. And to see that there's characters in the Bible that need mentioning and bring such power. Hagar's the first person to name God in the Mm -hmm. Old Testament. And we just gloss her over. And it really helped me kind of just take a different perspective to her and to realize that truth is hard. Uh, and what and what we do with it says more about us than um, just the story itself. So you told me a little bit about how you first came into contact with Hagar, but how has her story been relevant to your story throughout your faith journey? <laughs> oh man, we again, we could just talk about this all day, but <laughs> we've talked about how, Yes, it's important that Hagar has this encounter with God and that Hagar names God. And that name's important, the God who sees me. Um, But if you take a step back from that, God meets Hagar in the desert, but invites Hagar to say why she's there, what's going on. God gives her the opportunity to tell her story. And that has just been huge for us in in realizing that it's really important to create a safe space where people can bring their authentic selves, their true selves, their stories into that space. And there doesn't have to be pressure. There doesn't have to be us assuming we know their stories. Um, But instead we're giving this safe space to people so that they can share on their own time. They can decide when they feel safe and um, can open up to us or to other people. Um, And so that's just been a really big example for us um, and that giving people the freedom and the space, the safety to get to decide when and how they share their stories and that they can do it authentically, that they they have the freedom to do that. So Elroyi, is that right, Megan? She's our pronunciation genius. Uh, don't go that far. <laughs> I I pronounce it Elroyi, uh, but I also want to say that you know two semesters of Hebrew, uh, four or five, we'll go with that years ago. Uh, does not make me an expert in any means, and I know there's lots of ways to say it. But for the purposes of this podcast, and for probably how we will refer to we're going to Hagar's story, one. we're going to go with Elroyi. Um, And so if there's a better pronunciation, we understand they might exist out there, but just for our purposes, Elroy is our choice. Yeah. We don't don't have to debate it. I prefer (laughs) that one as well, because otherwise, in my head, it's just Leroy. And (laughs) (laughs) he was was the redneck reindeer. Leroy. (laughs) (laughs) 
So, Elroy, he kind of helps me out a little bit. It feels um, more Hebrew. Instead of I'm just like, all right, well, Leroy. Leroy. <laughs> that's that's, that's God's song. nickname for me. Um, <laughs> but not, not his first name. Um, but Elroy, it's meaning, you know, God who sees or what I like. I, I really like the more personal in mm, interpretation of me too. God who sees me where I am or sees me where I'm at. Um, I just... I think it speaks volumes into people's lives and into their stories, and it offers such a powerful connection to people who've been disenfranchised by the church, um, people who have felt unseen or undervalued or completely devalued altogether, and who have felt like they have needed to hide who they really are from the world and especially from the church. Um, So how do you see this story breathing life into the world through your church's message, your missional presence in your immediate um, location and community, and then also how does it open up the fellowship and the community that you have through your church? I think the Hagar story shows us the Spirit of God. And as leaders of the church and asking people to come in and, and saying this is a safe space that you are seen you are heard and you are valued, we have to take on that spirit. Um, and we can't, it can't just be nice words. It can't just be um, something pretty and poetic that we preach about. It's, it's got to be lived. Um, and when people come into our church, we respond in that way. The word that comes to my mind is empathy, mm-hmm. um, where Ashley and I have each been through different events in our life that have shaped us and and given us a lens that we read this story totally differently than perhaps you do Lydia or perhaps someone else does but all of our lenses from which we read the Bible have truth and Hagar's story at the heart is someone who is seen mm-hmm. and regardless of how I was seen by God or how Ashley's been seen by God I can be empathetic and and spirit the spirit of god to ashley and to anybody in our church because we know at least the feeling mm-hmm. of being seen yeah. and we know its importance and so i think as we dig our heels into this church and really reach and try to to draw in community um we want we want that to be what what people leave with is that the spirit of god is here and that they were seen Hagar's story, um, it's really seemed to guide you both through some difficult times and different moments in your stories. So moving forward and looking to the future, how do you see her story as a guiding narrative for each one of you personally? You know, it's interesting. I feel like the way that this story guides me has changed over time, and it's changed based on what I've been through, what I've experienced, you know, when I first felt so connected to it, um, it was mainly on like a, I'm a theology student, I'm excited to have found this hidden gem in the Bible where I've learned that a woman was the first person to name God. So it was strictly from like a feminist theology excitement of discovering it. But, you know, that was... 12 years ago, 14 years ago, um, a lot's happened in my life since then. And to have 
gone through, you know, my dad passing away and my marriage ending. Now I realize that what speaks to me is the fact that Hagar's like, all right, I'm in the desert. This is not where I planned on being. I didn't really think I was going to end up in the desert trying to figure out what in the world I'm supposed to do next. And I just feel like that's kind of been me the past few years and that God has said, okay, I see you. I see where you're at. And guess what? You're starting a church. Let's do that. Let's do that thing. Um, So I'm just amazed at how that story has spoken to me this far to this point. And I just, I think I'm beginning to see how it's going to inform how we are pastors and how we relate to other people um, in like we were just talking about allowing space. I think we've only begun to get a glimpse of that. And I, I don't know. I don't, I don't even think I know all the ways that it's going to unfold, but I'm really excited because now I can see how one story has taken so many different meanings for me in the past 15 years. Yeah. So Megan, you already serve um, in a pretty official capacity as a chaplain, don't you? Is that right? Correct. You do. And so has Hagar's story been one that has guided you in that context as well? Yeah, it's funny because I was just sitting here thinking how a lot of my story is like, oh, you could write a 2000s version of Hagar and um, I would probably be able to weave in a little bit because, you know, Ashley mentioned Hagar runs to the desert um, after she's been treated harshly. And as I came out at my time um, in divinity school and then just trying to navigate, especially the Baptist world that mm-hmm. I have deep roots in, you know, there was times where I was treated harshly. And I don't want to say, oh, woe is me or us, oh, but it's just a hard world to navigate. And in those moments, everything was new for me. Um, it was obviously new for a lot of the people that I was interacting with. And we really were kind of traveling that journey together and no one knew how to travel it. Mm-hmm. And I'm really stubborn. I don't know. If <laughs> it's you. your spiritual no. gift, right? No. Yeah, yeah. I did once write that stubborn was my spiritual it's gift. Self-proclaimed. That'll, that'll be it. another podcast. We don't even um, have to call her that. Yeah. But so I was kind of like, okay, fine. Y'all don't want to. Y'all not ready to navigate this world, and I am not going to give you my time. And yeah. I kind of ran for a while, mm-hmm. and I was—I knew I was being called to be a chaplain, and it's really hard to to work how to become a chaplain <laughs> and not be a part of the church world. Um, they don't really yeah. flow together well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's where I met God was kind of meeting me in my stubbornness and in my self-inflicted desert, so to speak, of saying, "Hey, if." if you want to do this, you've got to go and make relationships with all these people that may have hurt you. Mm -hmm. Uh, You've got Mm -hmm. to work. You've got to overcome your stubbornness and your own, like just willingness or like unwillingness to work with people that might be more niche. Um, cause I also like, I didn't read, we mentioned Harry Potter earlier. I'm the type that's like, Oh, Harry Potter's popular. I'll read it five years from now. (laughs) I did so, the same. Yeah. So if a church, like there's churches people were directing me to, and I was like, well, they're, they're not my home church or that's no, of course, I, of course I could walk in and do this. So I was being super stubborn <laughs> and, you know, and then I, doors opened because I at least allowed 
the opportunity for myself to speak with God in, in those, that midst of my desert. And I used Hagar when I finally overcome enough of this to become a chaplain, one of the pieces of ordination. And so kind of to highlight it myself, Hagar was a big piece of my ordination um, ceremony and the scripture that was read mm-hmm. just because it's, it's so true that whether our deserts are self-inflicted or because we've been treated harshly by other people or whatever's led us to that desert, it doesn't matter. God's going to meet us there if mm-hmm. we at least open ourselves up just a little bit for the, for the opportunity and the, like the reception. Um, and what I cling to is hope in that moment. I think a lot of pictures depict Hagar uh, in as hopeless or, you know, forlorn. Uh, but I don't ever see her that way. I see her as a woman who thought that her best option was to take things into her own hands and to control her destiny. And she had enough hope and enough of that self-resilience to, to leave, but also to still be responsive. Mm-hmm. And then that hope is ultimately what drew her um, to understanding God's message for her and also being able to name God in that moment. She doesn't name God if she's forlorn, if she's mourning, if she's not hopeful. And so that's one of the elements of her story. I don't even think we look at enough is just the defiance, resiliency, and hope that Hagar had to have to even find herself there. Megan, I love that. And that, you just said that so beautifully. And I, Is this the appropriate time to talk about what you have tattooed on your ginormous arm muscle? <laughs> <laughs> We laugh that we're going to put a picture of this in the uh, show notes as podcasters. Oh, yes, we should. Because yeah. Megan really loves showing off her arm muscles, so this is an opportunity she's for that. She's exaggerating. That's no, no that's she's the not. truth. No, no lies. I can attest to that. It's just because I don't I'm wear just surprised you're I don't wear sleeves. your t shirt with your sh- sleeves ripped She does off. have sleeves on, you guys. That's a big deal. <laughs> I thought I had to be professional today. Okay, <laughs> tell them your tattoo real fast in case they haven't seen the show notes yet. Um, no, I mean, they make it way more exciting than it is. It's I have Elroy uh, on my left bicep in Hebrew. I love um, that you call it your bicep. Yeah. It's so, like, <laughs> I would just say my sounding. arm. <laughs> my arm. You know. It is on the same um, arm as, it's kind of, I don't know, my ministry arm. I don't Your ministry arm. Yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> but it's it's just... It's there. It's God has seen me and has reminded me and given me the opportunity to, to see it for myself. Like we, I think we can't reiterate that enough that Hagar is able to speak mm-hmm. and speak her truth. And in my journey with God and throughout, like when I had, when I ran into my proverbial desert, it was never away from God. Mm. Oh man, that's good. It was away from the things that were actually keeping me from that. And so um, being seen and knowing that despite the fact that I was running away from what was told to be right or what was told to be correct or whatever, I was seen in spite of that. And my story was valid. My story was true. And in those moments, God empowered me to take that truth and bring it back 
and said, you can do this. You can carry your truth. You can carry your story and you can interact. Um, And so that's one of the reasons that I chose to put it there, despite the fact that it makes me show off my quote unquote (laughs) arm muscles (laughs) every time someone asks about it. I love the quotes around that, but there's work that goes into it. There are no quotes. They are are arm muscles. Well, it just shows how passionate we are about Hagar if we have it tattooed in our bodies. So Lydia, we're really thankful that you came onto the podcast today to talk to us about something that we are so passionate about. And you've been really well, thank great you for having me. I'm excited about this redemption for Hagar. Like Aww. I feel like God is continuing to use her. Yeah. I mean, her story is is creating grace in the world in 2018, and um, she hasn't been forgotten. She is seen, and she is still a part of God's grand story in this world. And so it's exciting to to hear from you and to hear how that is um, happening. It's so often that that God does use those people who are not the big names in the Bible. Um, and it's exciting to see that you and me and the rest of this world, um, people who feel unseen or overlooked or unqualified, that God is going to use us. I just think now we all need to go get Hagar tattoos. Megan, I'm Megan's going to okay, start a I'm trend. Okay. Since we brought up the tattoo thing, <laughs> the reason that I know so well that most pictures of Hagar are depicted as forlorn or sad is because at one point in time, before I at least temporarily settled for just Elroy on my mm-hmm. arm, mm-hmm. I was going to get Hagar by herself, Ishmael, sorry, um... But this is Hagar's moment. Yeah. On my leg. I didn't know this looking, story. Looking defiant. That tattoo. And I still might. It still it still holds a piece <gasps> See, in my heart. But we just learned my view of, of Hagar is so relevant for today. And also, so I'm going to have to give a shout out to my fave, Brandi Carlisle. Because in one of her songs, and the, it's not coming to my brain right now, but we'll put it in the show notes. Um, is that uh, that just one line about carrying the baby across the back, my, uh, across the desert on my back? And so I think of that all the time because that's what she was. And and, and I believe Brandy was referring to our refugee crisis mm-hmm. and um, the issues that we are having on our southern border. So my view of Hagar is very much that. I'm a mom too, so that's probably a part of it. But she took everything she had. And everything that that was important to her in her world and went out on a limb. And that's what I see you guys doing is going out on this big, beautiful adventure. Um, I don't see it as much of a desert now. It's pretty oasis-y. Um, shout out to Campbell. But... Um, hey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Such good layers of metaphors I here. I know. Woo. Goodness. But it's an exciting thing. And I'm just so happy to hear um Hagar's story and your story so well intertwined and to see the way that God is using both of you so thank you for having me it's been exciting and fun to have a conversation with you officially with a microphone it feels super (laughs) official we don't normally sit around and talk with a microphone but maybe we should start yeah Yeah. we'll just record everything (laughs) 
Oh no! Uh, Ashley has been the <laughs> documentarian of our lives thus far. So now, if we're gonna add an audio wow. aspect to this, yeah. Ashley, you're gonna need another hard. Y'all drive. will know why Ashley's oh, always laughing at all of us. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of laughter with this crowd. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, Liddy. We appreciate your time.